This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. What's up, guys? It's episode 160 of Top Rope Nation. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Um, We're here to talk about kind of an interesting topic for your Monday show today. We're going to be looking back at... uh, Maybe not the happiest of memories, but it should be an entertaining talk, I think. And that is when we look at what happened with WWE Extreme Rules last weekend. And uh, we talked on our Thursday show about how that pay-per-view was largely criticized as not being a great outing from the WWE. We thought about, hey, what are the worst pay-per-view offerings in the history of this promotion? And as I started to think about it, there's quite a few of them, Kyle Ross. So, uh, Kyle, how's it going tonight? It's going okay. I'm ready to talk about the worst of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Nothing turns me on quite like that. I mean, it's not It's not the – maybe, you know, on the surface, people saw the title of this episode, and they're like, I don't know if I really want to listen to that, but I promise you it will be entertaining. You know, hold on, hold on. I, I'm going to go on a rant right here. <laughs> these people who are, like, so falsely positive can, like, just kiss my ass, man. <laughs> like, I mean, these people, like – there are some times I see – I'm like, how are you seeing the positive in this, man? Whatever happened to the – the smarky universe of professional wrestling, man. <laughs> I mean, to think that like the World Wrestling Federation, like in our life, in your lifetime, has not produced absolute cow manure as a at times <laughs> is just silliness. Oh, it certainly has. We're going to be talking all about it. Uh, you know, Justin Joint. I do have to say, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. We've been friends for a long time, but there was a few years there where we didn't really talk a lot. We didn't see each other around town, and then we kind of. Ran into each other, I think, in 2014 uh, at a restaurant. Brought together by Mexican food. Hell yeah, man. What better thing to bring people together than the great <laughs> <laughs> that great food? And uh, it was the best Mexican restaurant in town, by the way. And it's no longer there, which is depressing. Oh. Yeah. But we just, by chance, ran into each other, I think, in the spring of 2014. and Or maybe that's winter. I can't remember for sure. But um, we started like hanging out and going out for beers again and reconnecting and talking pro wrestling. And... Uh, at that point in time, you know, you were a very positive fan, I remember. You didn't really want to criticize too much. You were just in it for the fun. 
And so to do this show with you tonight, where we're going to kind of criticize the past, it's <laughs> it's a stark turnaround for you. <laughs> it's fun, man. I mean, come on. I mean, it's all good. Like, it's not like these pay-per-views. Well, there are some that I'll bring up that are, you know, I think <laughs> are offensive. But, like, it's just fun to bring up. Sometimes it's fun to talk about bad wrestling. I mean, if you can't make fun of King Mabel, what can you make fun of <laughs> in life? Also, man? I know where we're going right away there for one of the shows. Um, but, uh <laughs> I would hope that would be on everyone's list. <laughs> Justin, I assume more of your memories as a wrestling fan are positive versus negative. Yeah. Um, for one, I have a crap memory to begin with. Uh, and I just, I, I don't dwell a lot on the bad stuff. Like if I don't enjoy it, I, it's probably one of the first thing that's going from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, for that reason, to me, Current wrestling products, a lot of times, is very hard to remember. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like when I think yeah. back of the pay per views of the last couple of years, if you threw out a certain pay per view from 2017 or 2018 or even last year, it'd be really hard for me to instantly know what the matches were on that show because a lot of times it just haven't been memorable. Yeah. That's, you know, I, wa- I watched that uh, Ricochet doc on the network. And I had like basically, and this was only like a year ago, and I had almost completely forgotten everything he'd done. <laughs> As we get older, and we have maybe maybe we have less space in our brains, <laughs> we're not filing away as much into our long term memories. That sounds like something Donald Trump would say, but trying to <laughs> rationalize here, yeah. We, I just, you look at the shows from our youth, and I remember so much, including the bad, as we're going to get to. But uh, yeah, current current years, sometimes it's really hard to go back and remember what's been happening. So as we get into this discussion and we think about the worst pay-per-view offerings in the history of the World Wrestling Federation slash WWE, I mean, these shows they've done in Saudi Arabia, if you count those, those have to rank towards the top for sure. Yep. Uh, and that's what I was referring to where, you know. It's not like you show, you know, a lot of these shows aren't offensive. Those you could argue the fact that they are even doing the fact they're even doing them before you get into the wrestling portion of the program is largely bad. And then on top of that, most of the shows have not been good. Yeah. So it's kind of a double whammy in that regard. If you go to cagematch.net, uh, which I know is a resource you guys both use, uh, the Saudi Arabia shows do not pull well. <laughs> and you will find a lot of them near the very bottom. Uh, of the list of World Wrestling Federation slash WWE events all time. Yeah, I would say, um, God, what was the one with the Goldberg Undertaker match Super Showdown last year, 2019? Yeah, I mean, that's it, that's got to rank towards the bottom. Yeah, but you know what one was the dirt worst though is the one where Shane McMahon won the best in the world Ooh, tournament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they went to a DX versus Brothers of Destruction 30-minute atrocity. Mm-hmm. That was hideous. <laughs> I mean, that is on the Mount Rushmore of terrible WWE shows. Yeah. I mean, everyone, while it was going on, was just like, is this just a troll job of the fan base? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. That's real bad. Shane McMahon, like he came in and like just won the finals. Was that the same one where Braun lost his cash in? No, he had already lost. His, he lost to uh, Brock Lesnar at that show, which was another terrible thing. Mm. So there's three horrible things about. <laughs> yeah, that is a very bad show. <sighs> 
And I mean, when you're looking at, and Kyle, you hinted at this a minute ago, when you're looking at older WWF shows, King of the Ring 95, widely panned as uh, <laughs> one of the <laughs> bottom tier WWF pay-per-view offerings, especially, you know, of the uh, the big five offerings they had at the time when you consider Rumble and Mania and Survivor Series and SummerSlam. King of the Ring 95, you mentioned King Mabel. That was an awful pay-per-view. I think, I don't know that I've ever really wanted to watch the whole show. I mean, I know everything that happened on it. I've, I've, I probably skimmed it here and there. Uh, the one, I think the first match I ever saw from that show was, uh, it was on the WWF. I think it was amazing matches. Coliseum video I had in like 96 or 97. Yeah. And it had, uh, the Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler kiss my foot match, which I guess was somewhat entertaining. And honestly, when you look at the card of that show, probably easily the most memorable thing that happened on that show <laughs> it's uh it is if you look at it on cage match which i have it up on my computer right now uh every single match says not recommended yet you know where it would say a rating <laughs> every single match on this show it <laughs> doesn't have the overall uh one through ten rating for this event is a 1.34 average from the cage match audience um, you're looking at savio vega and irs savio vega and yokozuna the roadie, uh, which is Road Dog, and and Bob Holly. Uh, oh boy, did the Road Dog have some bad political <laughs> comments on Facebook.com oh God. last week? Kama, who is the Godfather against Shawn Michaels, a time limit draw. Mabel and the Undertaker, Savio Vega and the Roadie, the Bret Hart Lawler match I mentioned. Mabel and Savio Vega in the King of the Ring finals, which. Uh, I guess doesn't really hold up well to if you look back at King of the ninety King of the Ring ninety three, which we did the Top Rope Nation Classic show on on Patreon. Now that was a hell of a King of the Ring show with Bret Hart and Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals. You compare that to Mabel and Savio Vega, this one really doesn't hold up as well. And then uh, the main event of the show, Bam Bam and Diesel against the million dollar corporation of Sid and Tatanka. Guys, yes. you know, keep this one buried on the WWE network. <laughs> It's not great. Yes, to, remember, Tatanka did what his ancestors should have done all those years ago. He took the money. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was his own words. I'm not making I some know, inappropriate know, joke. So he bad. said that when he sold out at SummerSlam 94. You sealed so Tatanka in a main event position. So here's the thing with this show. It's not just a three-hour snooze fest resulting in Mabel becoming the king of the ring. Remember, it also then sets up the main event of what is arguably the worst SummerSlam, or it would be on the short list for the worst SummerSlam. When I evaluate a pay-per-view, it's not just all about ring work. For me, that's like one of four components. It's booking, it's build, it's you know setting up you know, kind of like the future of the company, or is there like any historical or future significance in that regard? And this, you know, a show like King of Ring 95 just misses all, doesn't check any of those boxes. Misses, yeah. all, it's over four. Um, everyone thought going in that Sean was going to win. And then he just like, he gets out, he's one and done in the tournament. Like, what is, you said it was a 15 minute draw. It's like with comma, right? Yeah. You said, yeah. And, and then Brett and Lawler, it was the magic of 93 was gone by that point. It it felt like Brett was just kind of being shoved off into his own universe during that period while the click had their way in the promotion. Um, and the promotion as a whole suffered for it. Mm-hmm. Just a terrible show. from And the Philly crowd was just unmerciful. 
uh, in its hatred of it. So, yeah, I think as far as big five pay-per-views go, you could make your case that's the worst one. Because as bad as like WrestleMania 9 is, it's still a WrestleMania. Mm. And there's just been a lot of, there's been many shows worse than WrestleMania 9 in the history of the company. I, I don't know what the worst Survivor Series is offhand or worst Royal Rumble, but, you know, there's a certain, because those shows are positioned as big most of the time, in, they're going to be better than, say, King of the Night or I think the other one people would point to is December to December. Mm-hmm. The atrocity. 06. Uh, masquerading as EC, an ECW pay-per-view. Um, th- that's another one I'd put on the list. Yeah. You have one that springs to mind for you, Justin, as far as the worst pay-per-views in company history? Um, I mean, for me, it really, like, it's really the only pay-per-view itself that I care about is WrestleMania. So, like, a lot of other ones, if it's bad, to me, it's just forgettable. Um, so, yeah, any of the bad WrestleManias... I don't think I've ever been more disappointed uh, compared to how excited I was going in than WrestleMania 2000. I don't know why I was excited going into that. If you take a look the at the card. Was hot. Yeah, I mean, that's all it was, was the product was hot. Um, but yeah, I just remember I scrounged up the money. I got a bunch of buddies together and watched that and definitely got the feeling at some point where my buddies were like, why do you watch this? <laughs> Yeah, I think for people, you know, of our age that were really into that attitude era, that one always ranks highly. 2000 was just such a letdown for sure. I would I would concur on that one. And uh, then like the fact that they they had this huge <coughs> stadium, this this is supposed to be the biggest WrestleMania. Um I would say 32 mm-hmm. was 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 pretty disappointing considering I've talked about it a million times. I think there was a way to rearrange that card uh, that it could have been really special. Yeah. When you look at the rankings on cage match, as it relates to WrestleMania, I was a little bit surprised. I guess they, it, well, it looks like they have WrestleMania two broken down based on location. Uh, mm-hmm. But the lower WrestleMania two they have is, is the matches that happen in uh, Uniondale, New York. Uh, but I mean, overall, I, I cannot rank WrestleMania two below WrestleMania 11. WrestleMania 11 is just such a, uh, <laughs> a downer of a show, especially when you think of the people that they had in the promotion at the time and how they could have reworked that show as Kyle did on a previous edition of top rope nation made, <laughs> made WrestleMania 11 so much better than what it actually was. Kyle. I've always been amused how much you guys like that. Like, I'm still not so sure the much show to better. work, but what, it was better. For the for the listeners that didn't hear it, I mean, what do you recall just offhand what you had as the main matches if you would have rebooked that show? I'll look yeah, up right now what, what episode that was. It was a Luger-Bret Hart title match with Luger going in as the champion. I would have had him turn heel and be the quote-unquote crown jewel of DiBiase's corporation. And then I had Diesel and LT teaming up against Sean and Sid. That's right. It was a tag match. Yeah, an Undertaker working Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you guys want to hear the the full conversation on, <laughs> we talked about that. It was way back in April, April twenty fourth of this year, episode one thirty nine, uh, rebooking WrestleMania main events. We went through several 
WrestleManias, and that was a really good show. But uh, yeah, Kyle's WrestleMania 11 rebooking and the logic behind those matches is really good stuff. So if you haven't heard it, episode 139 from April of this year. I, WrestleMania 2 probably has an argument as the third or fourth worst WrestleMania, I will say that. Yeah. It's not good. The, the first six matches in terms of in ring work, like to a modern fan would be unheard of bad. Like, I don't even think like any of them would be over a star. It, it It's like really bad. It just start like Paul Orndorff and magnificent Morocco go out there for the opener. Man, they're just phoning it in looking to collect that check, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, but overall, if you compare it to 11, you know, WrestleMania two at that Bulldogs dream team tag match that I really enjoy. I think that's a really yeah. good match. Beefcake yeah, and, and Greg the- Valentine. And it's, uh, Go ahead. JYD and Tito against the Funks. Don't sleep on it. Terry Funk is determined to get that match over, man. He works yeah. his ass off in that. Yeah. So, I mean, 11 is just its such a letdown as a WrestleMania. Nine is not great either. Um, Kyle, a show no, that jumps out th- to you? There's still WrestleManias to me. I'm trying to, like, it's funny because you guys made the point at the beginning. It's hard to remember the shows of the last two years. And there's got to be something in there that is just like, honestly, Sunday show is, is really down there. I mean, when you just when you come into a show not looking forward to it and it's bad. That's like the double whammy, right? Yeah, um, because, again, build booking. You're not, you're missing those checks that I talked about. Um, the, the issue is, though, that kind of saves. I shouldn't say it's an issue. It's actually what saves a lot of these modern WWE shows is the in-ring component, right? Because you're not looking forward to these shows. The booking stinks. doesn't really mean anything. But you watch it in a vacuum, you're like, yeah, this one match was kind of good. And for me, what we're what we're trying to find here, it's a show where, you know, it's got no good matches. Like you mentioned with King of the Ring, nothing's recommended. Mm. Uh, you know, that ECW December to Dismember, nothing's recommended from that. I think the Hardys and Eminem had an okay opener. But from there, I mean, you're like talking Kevin Thorne is on that thing. Um, there, there are some dogs, baby. <laughs> well, one that in the uh, if you look at the history of the in your house events, uh, a lot of those would have like one really strong match, then a whole lot of filler for the other two hours of the show. Uh, the one that really gets panned is the In Your House 4 event that happened yes. in Canada, the Great White North, as it was dubbed later on. This is in Winnipeg. Get a load of this card. Uh, we've got Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Fatu, aka Rikishi. We got the Doing smoking... it for the people. Doing it for the kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> smoking guns against Razor and One Two Three Kid. We've in the, uh, we've got Goldust and Marty Janetti, Mabel and Yoko Zuna, Razor and Dean Douglas, and the main event of Bulldog against Diesel, which ends in a DQ couple things that's the pay-per-view where sean forfeits the title to dean douglas yes where because he had been beaten up by the marines or as they were called in wwe thugs mm-hmm. in syracuse yes yeah i wonder what vince's friend djt would have to say about that kind of terminology <sighs> but uh that diesel bulldog main event is famous for vince mcmahon afterwards throwing his headset off and just berating people Mm-hmm. I believe Bruce Pritchard uh, received uh, quite the tongue lashing backstage. And Jim Cornette has told the story on his show that he went immediately went back there and just apologized to Vince. Even though he didn't work, he was obviously 
ringside managing Bulldog. He's just like, that was one of the worst pay-per-view main events I've probably ever been a part of. Mm. It, it was just awful. And it basically signaled the end of Nash's run on top, which was long over something, that, a move that was long overdue. Yeah. And, you know, for different reasons, um, much different reasons, Over the Edge 99 cannot be looked at as a great pay-per-view no. because of what happened with Owen, obviously, and then nobody really wanted to work that show when they continued on. And so a whole different set of circumstances there. Yeah, but that's, uh, not, that's not, yeah, again, that's not, that goes to the not fun to talk about almost, yeah. you know, even along the same lines or and, and probably even worse than the Super Showdown stuff. I'm uh, I'm doing a show with uh, our friend Zach Haydorn of Pro Wrestling Torch later this week, and uh, I'll be on on his show on the VIP section on the Torch, and mm. we're looking at uh, Steve Austin's 1999 WWF pay per view run. And so what I've had to do is is go back and and watch all of Austin's 1999 pay per view matches. And I got to tell you, this one I I'm saving for the end. I to watch his match from. Uh, from that show, not going to be a pleasant experience. I don't. I don't think I have turned on over the edge ninety nine since it happened. I don't know if either of you have, but it's just one I just. I've never been able to go back and watch, and not one that I really want to watch. But I, I'm going to to do the historical research for this podcast that we're going to be doing later this week. But uh, yeah, that's Kyle. Have you ever gone back and watched any of that show? No. Yeah, it's crazy. They did a title change. I know. End of that thing. Yeah. And it's you know and. When Austin wins it back, it does the biggest number in the history of Raw. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for again, for uh, for different reasons, that's that's in the uh, in the history of the worst WWE pay per views. That has to be up there for sure, too. Uh, any any others you guys wanted to throw out there for discussion's sake? What did we think of uh, Tuesday night in Texas? Oh, that mm. savage Jake Angle saves it. Mm. Oh, okay. From this list, it was a really stupid idea. <laughs> like I, yeah. to be honest with you, Survivor Series '91 is a worse pay per view than this Tuesday in Texas because you, you people can if they've never seen that show, you can go on the network and watch right now. Almost instantly, they make you they meaning the company makes you feel like an asshole for ordering Survivor Series '91 <laughs> because they immediately start promoting the show that's going to happen a couple days later, and then they <laughs> set up the show during over the course of the three hours. They basically set up this Tuesday in Texas with the. Hogan Undertaker finish. Um, Tunney says, okay, well, Randy Savage can't work this show, but I've sanctioned him to make his return this Tuesday in San Antonio. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's Survivor Series 91 is uh, earlier. I said, I don't know what the worst Survivor Series. That's probably on the short list. That is a really hideous card. Yeah. At least from the early Survivor Series, you know, some of those, uh, the more recent ones kind of run together yeah. for me. Didn't they like was that Survivor Series or Armageddon where they were like promoting that Jeff Hardy had overdosed? Remember that Ooh. atrocity was like oh eight. I yeah, want to say that's when I, I blocked out of Survivor memory. Series or an Armageddon, but like it like like dot com ran a story that Jeff Hardy had been found like unresponsive. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. I I've definitely that's when I. I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, but yeah, that's one I tried to block out of my memory, I think. It was the Survivor Series in Boston, whatever year that was. I can't okay. remember if it was 07 or 08. No. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm drawing a blank. That was, I know it won worst major show on The Observer that year. Huh. Okay. 
All right. Well, we're going to hit a couple other topics before we get out of here today. But before we do, we want to throw a shout out to our friends over at betonline.ag. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Our next topic of discussion has to do with something that I think all of us are really looking forward to at some point in time, and that's when we get live crowds back into the wrestling atmosphere. And uh, Kyle, you had a question to pose for us to discuss tonight, and what is that question? Okay, so I saw some back and forth about this on Twitter.com last week, it would have been a few days ago, and it's just how much is the eventual return of live crowds going to benefit WWE programming? I think we're, as you said, Ryan, so eloquently, we're all looking forward to this. WWE is certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Wrestling is made to be done in front of a live crowd. But if you watch this WWE programming, suffice to say, if you put this product in front of a live crowd, you are not curing all that ails this promotion. (laughs) Right? I mean... It's not a good product. And that's the thing. I mean, obviously, not being in front of a live audience hurts. There's no disputing that. But the idea that, hey, if this was in front of a crowd, it would be so good. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. And go ahead, because I was going to bring up these these tweets that I saw and they I, I thought were very interesting and made for a good topic. Well, I was going to throw it to Mr. Joint and uh, what his okay. opinion is on WWE. Do you think this will this will help the WWE product, or do you think it just doesn't matter? Um, I mean, yeah, it, the, their issues are are you know much deeper than getting a live crowd back. I mean, you could. Uh, I mean, it's like saying watch a movie in a theater and it's going to be better. I mean, if it's a shit movie, it's a shit movie. There's you know, watching it with other people isn't going to change anything. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, what's interesting about this is if you were to pose this question to me back in March or maybe said, you know, who's going to be hurt more? I would have instantly said AEW because that promotion felt like they had so much momentum. Uh-huh. I think coming out of Revolution and their weekly television had been great. And Spoiler alert, it has still been great. <laughs> Go back and listen to our Thursday show and uh, probably check out uh, Dynamite on Wednesday night this week because they got a stacked card. But I thought, man, this is really going to hurt AEW because the crowds have been on fire. There's, those shows just had just such a different feel to them than the WWE shows. And 
I would have thought that WWE, because of their expertise in production and you know, they got great video editors and I and just bells and whistles, I would have thought that they could kind of work their way around succeeding through the pandemic and AEW was going to be screwed. But as it turns out, AEW's done a great job and their shows without a live crowd have just had a great atmosphere about them. They've been way more exciting to watch. And WWE shows, you know, as you guys said, the creative has been terrible. And then you add on top of it how boring they feel watching it. It's just really, really tough. I I do think it will help them to get a live crowd back. But again, like Justin said, if you've got shit stories, it doesn't really matter in the end. So, yeah. And that's exactly it is because you could make the argument like you get a live crowd. Then the WWE can hear the response to some of these guys that they're trying to push like, Maybe they'll know exactly what they want to do with Drew McIntyre, you know, but frankly, he's not the problem right now. Uh, it's everybody else. And and you can't make that argument because AEW is doing just fine, if not, you know, better than before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Kyle. <laughs> There's an irony to this, too. What's been an issue for WWE for five, ten Maybe even longer. Five, they don't ten years, listen to the longer. crowds. They, they, they're battling with the live audience. The yeah. live audience is, is booing stuff live. You know, like there was actually an argument at the beginning of this pandemic that, hey, with, you know, these live crowds that they're fighting, maybe out of the equation, maybe WWE is going to be able to manipulate the product in a certain way where TV viewers are more receptive to the storylines. And that certainly hasn't happened. So I found these tweets. Uh, for the record. So Trevor Dane was a great follow. I think I've mentioned him on the show before. He started it with the scary thing about WWE is even if you assume crowds will bring back some ratings, I'm not hearing a lot of quote, this would be better if it was in front of fans and quote comments like other promotions are getting. I'm hearing a lot of quote, this sucks. And then it was subtweeted by Rover to many people follow. And he said, modern WWE, th- this is a great point And what really got my gears thinking modern WWE doesn't rely on crowd interaction. They wrestle to the camera. Few performers have catchphrases and tease their signature or finisher move to elicit fan anticipation. And then another tweet, he astutely points out, attendance at Raw TV had been falling as the show was so long and boring with too much downtime. And those are two great takes. I mean, this is why they sign experienced independent wrestlers and send them to NXT because they want to teach them to work to the cameras, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There is something to it, but... Yeah, that's something that, like, a buddy of mine pointed out once. It's like, you know, no one plays to the crowd in WWE matches. You know, no one, if you watch old wrestling, there's no, like, stomping your foot to get the crowd behind you if you're the baby face. Mm. You know, if you're in a submission move. You just kind of, like, lay there and get out of it. Right. It's, the house style is not really live audience friendly. Yeah. You know, I think if you look at the top of the card, what they've been doing with uh, with Braun and Bray, I don't think a live crowd would help that whatsoever. I do think, to push back a little bit, I think that Drew McIntyre's run has been hurt by not having a crowd because he was getting great responses from the crowd. You mm-hmm. know, go back to the Royal Rumble. It really sucks for him that he hasn't had that live crowd when he's been getting this world championship run. So I do think he's been hurt a little bit. I think the live crowd would be eating up what Bailey and Sasha have been doing, but at the same time, it's it's still been good. It's been the best thing on television, so I, I can't really say it's been hurt. Uh, so I think really, yeah, the the only story that they have going that's maybe been hurt is Drew's 
title reign. Outside of that, I I don't think a live crowd really help anything. Yeah. It stands yeah, out I to mean, me. They have bigger issues. It you know, it's not like they're put on this great show. It's like, oh my god, if this was just only in front of that audience. Like, what did we say when Matt Hardy debuted in AEW? Oh, that sucks. That couldn't have been in front of a live audience. Name a comparable WWE moment from the last four months. Yeah. I dare you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I guess I really Drew, to your point, Drew's title win, but that match was so ho hum and expected. I don't know. Keith Lee's title win. Yeah, yeah. Keith Lee. Yeah. That would have been a big deal in full sale. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's that's NXT. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I've seen the the point made too, though, that like with NXT, since they were already filming at full sail in, in that small venue, that NXT hasn't been hurt as much because it almost feels like you're watching the same show still because it's it was always in that smaller venue, versus you know AEW that was in the more midsize venues once in a while, the bigger ones, and then of course Raw and SmackDown they were in the big big arenas. NXT, I guess visually it hasn't been as drastic of a shift, but. Of course, those fans would have been going nuts when Keith Lee had that. Yeah. Another point you made moments ago, and it's correct, with AEW shockingly having this production edge when it comes to presenting the product with no live audience. I was watching Dynamite a few weeks ago with my wife, and she's like, is there a crowd there? Because the way they mic the performers standing around ringside, it just... It feels like it's in a rest, a traditional wrestling atmosphere. WWE, you just feel like they're wrestling in an empty warehouse. Yeah, even adding you know, the it, people, it, it hasn't made a difference. No, <laughs> it really hasn't, hasn't that at was all. Frightening. Like they, they were kind of follow chasing AEW's tail in that regard, and they have simply not done it as well. Yeah, it, you know who knows um, if this is. I mean, I assume it's true if Stephanie McMahon said it. But did you see this interview she did today where they're talking about? adding like virtual fans yeah. to the performance center. I mean, so I guess that's their next trick up the sleeve. We shall see. <laughs> um, that's sad. I mean, look at your, look at your rival with a, a year's worth of history. That's hitting out of the park in this in- environment. You know, those shows still feel lively and fresh and exciting to watch. And, they can't succeed at all. I mean, I do think they're held by the outside venue. We've talked about that a little bit on the show before. But it just visually, it looks better than the Performance Center, which is such a small venue. But Jesus, I mean, my God, the amount of people they have working for this company, and they can't do anything to make it feel a little bit better. Okay. I know The Rock's daughter got really pissed at somebody who tweeted this because, like, this was weeks ago. Somebody tweeted, I can't remember who it was, it was like, Man, these fans, these quote-unquote fans in the WWE audience don't behave like fans who have ever been to a wrestling show before. And Samoa Johnson like was all over them, just ripped them to shreds, and that's fine, whatever. But I kind of thought the tweet had a point. <laughs> but the, the performers they're putting in the audience for WWE shows, they just kind of make noise. It's just so transparent. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just like, yeah, cheer. It's just, you know, and it's like, it doesn't help the story being told in the ring, right? Like a good live reaction is accentuating what you're seeing in the ring. With WWE, it's just like they're making noise. They just have a bunch of people. They're like, yeah, just stand around and make noise for two hours. Yeah. Just, if it is reflective of what's going on in the ring, okay, I guess. But it, it just isn't. Yeah. Um. Uh, Kyle brought up his wife mentioning AW Dynamite. 
And that reminded me of a possible uh, new T-shirt idea for Top Rope Nation. Um, so, you, you know, Mark Henry is the world's strongest man. Do we need a Kyle Ross world's softest hands shirt? <laughs> yes. I do have soft hands. <laughs> Look at those hands. No calluses whatsoever. Callus? That's disgusting. <laughs> We do. I do. I, I, I do have to mention. I I hardly ever hawk our merchandise on the show, so I'm going to throw it out there. There's a few new new designs on our Spreadshirt store. You can find the link on topropenation.com, or you can just go to shop.spreadshirt.com/topropenation. Um, I personally own almost every single design that's up in that store, and we have some really good, funny cool looking t-shirt so check it out if you are a longtime listener of the show or maybe you're a brand new listener and want to rep the squad topropenation.com you can find all the merchandise links over there all right guys well hey this has been a fun discussion i like i said at the beginning of the broadcast we were going to talk about <laughs> some way, negative things but if you're listening and have no idea what justin said i just celebrated my five-year wedding anniversary my wife was uh, uh pointed out on twitter on facebook that uh we were comparing softness of hands. Yes. I won hands down. And that's true. I do have much softer hands than my wife. I have softer feet than my wife, too, for the record. <laughs> Kyle is a beautiful man. <laughs> I don't soft chin music. There yeah, we go. I, oh, that's a great t-shirt idea right there. I like soft that. Soft chin music. Is not just a, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big manual labor guy. I'm not going to run from it at all. Okay? I don't like doing it. <laughs> we were talking about I, mowing the yard the other day, and Kyle was like, my wife mows the yard. <laughs> hey no one keeps a cleaner home than me oh plus you got to stay away from those frogs god knows what's going to happen back there we have a riding lawnmower to be fair so oh well there you go i'm like having her like just push something across like acres of land (laughs) yeah trim trim the land on the homestead yeah yeah to be honest with you if we did have a a push lawnmower i still would make her do it but that's okay what a heel always a heel always working the crowd all right guys well hey we're gonna be back on thursday morning (laughs) we'll be back on thursday morning as always you can find the show at top rope nation on twitter and instagram or on facebook at uh it's facebook.com slash top rope nation pod by the way subscribe on youtube youtube.com slash top rope nation we've been posting more content over there lately as well and then uh patreon.com slash top rope nation got a few days left to sign up and get yourself a top rope nation t-shirt and all of our bonus content the exclusive podcast you can only find on patreon for just five dollars check it out patreon.com slash top rope nation so with that said i'm ryan drosty here for kyle russ and justin joint catch you guys on thursday morning